0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Sermon Podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Get ready for a gut check today, a spiritual gut check. First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun offers up a sermon that reminds us that we are not the stars of the show.
1: You know, I was thinking about the chat question today about uh, if I were to completely stop watching TV for a year, which would be like hard, um... I probably would read a lot. I'd miss reading, but I do audible books a lot. I don't know if you guys do audible books. That's like killer. Right now on television, though, my wife, Pam, and I um, are really watching uh, Blue Bloods on Paramount Plus or on CBS. Anybody watch Blue Bloods? Okay, cool. It's almost a nightly ritual uh, during or after dinner. And I like the show because. A, it stars Tom Selleck, who was the original Magnum of Magnum P.I. By the way, did you notice our church campus was on Magnum P.I. a couple weeks ago? We're famous for crime. Um, And uh, second, or, or B, it has less swearing than other shows. Certainly no F or S bombs. And uh, C, his family says a prayer in nearly every show, whether it's saying grace at a meal or maybe a prayer of confession, and like that is super rare. And D, there are 16 seasons, so I have a lot to catch up on and look forward to. And E, the show has a lot to do with leadership, as Selleck plays Frank Reagan, uh, the top cop, the police commissioner in New York City. And in nearly every episode, Commander Reagan has to balance the law and sometimes grace. He has to do what is pono, righteous, and what is loving, aloha. So pono and aloha. And he always takes a high road, even though it might be harder. And um, he has to weigh not only the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. And when it comes to the Christian faith, we must always live with pono and aloha. It is important to always strive to do the right thing no matter what people say. And it is important not to act religious. And by that I mean to act in more ways of rules and regulations rather than in a real relationship with Jesus. Or worse, to act religious and use religion for your gain, even if it harms others, or so offensive that it pushes people away from God. In the Bible, you often see two religious parties who fought with Jesus. Jesus was always attacked by A, the Pharisees, the religious conservatives who didn't believe in grace, but rule keeping, and B, the religious Sadducees who didn't believe in the supernatural, but believed you should live a life being good for your sake. Uh, Pastor Tim Keller says it's like the Sadducees are today's progressives, or some might call them secular liberals who don't believe in miracles, while the Pharisees are the religious conservatives who are into rules and rights. and Jesus spoke against both. And Keller says, and I quote him, Christianity is not an individualistic, create your own reality philosophy, nor is it a moralistic, save yourself through moral conformity philosophy. It's neither. So let's get into our morning Bible reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. So please stand in honor of the reading of the Gospel. Mark 12, verse 38. And this is what it says. Jesus taught... Beware of these teachers of religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace. And how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head tables at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be more severely punished. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowd dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given given everything she had to live on." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So here's the scene. Jesus had a large crowd around him when he said this. And it was bold to say this publicly, knowing that the Sadducees could be right there. And in the previous paragraph, he took on the Pharisees when they asked him if they should pay taxes to Caesar. Remember that? Jesus says so cleverly, hey, give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. And bam, right after that, the Sadducees, the secular liberals show up and question Jesus about the resurrection. And Jesus tells them to their face, well, you don't know the scriptures, and you don't know the power of God. Here is the essence of the lesson for today. If you are a follower of Jesus, please don't be religious. Meaning, don't be so much into appearances and flaunting of how you're so different or so faithful and that you think you should have more rights and privileges than others because you have God in your heart. And the person who is giving this warning is not me, but Jesus himself, God. He condemns the religious Sadducees who don't even believe in miracles and the supernatural, but who go through the motions of following God and therefore wanted to be be treated more special than others in society. And the Sadducees love to walk around in these long flowing robes, Back then, robes meant you were a person of importance. So you walk slowly wearing a robe, and you want to give this impression that, hey, look, I'm not in a hurry. I don't do work or hard labor in a robe. And they love being that big man on campus, you know, the one in the marketplace where everyone greets them. Maybe if they're in a restaurant, they would take off their masks, so everyone would recognize them and greet them and treat them with honor and respect. They wanted the best seats in the synagogue so that everyone in the congregation could see them. If it was a feast, they wanted the seat of honor, to sitting at the right of the host. And they would do long prayers to, it would, uh, so that it would impress people. Even though God might be saying, hey, you talk too long, brah. Like, I'm not stupid. I, I can't remember. So they wanted a life where people would glorify and honor them and not God. And This is the danger of being religious, going through the motions and maybe even participating in great acts of faith, but wanting attention and not having a heart for God. But the worst thing is that they would devour widows homes. The widow, one of the weakest in first century society. Both the Sadducees and the Pharisees knew the law so well that they created a culture that if you were faithful, you would support them by giving up your house, your property. And these religious charlatans still exist today, and sometimes you can see them on TV. I remember when we had one of them who had rented, rented Kola ballrooms many years ago. He was a pastor, so we thought that was okay. But then we heard him say while on campus recording the show, if you widows would give me $5,000, you would be blessed by God and be healed. And I was so incensed by that, that after the taping, I went up to the producer, who's quite well known, and I said, you know what? That pastor can never speak on our campus again. Well, they weren't happy, and they pulled the production immediately. We lost tens of thousands of dollars. Um, but, you know, in the long run, that's fine with me. It's a money loss, but going after widows and using God's name in vain for such a ploy was incredibly sinful to me. Now, friends, before we dump on the Sadducees, like with every message, we must ask, who am I in this story? Oh no, is there a part of me that is Sadducees-like? Do I think I have special privileges or rights as a Christian that others don't? Should I be treated, treated with honor? Or even more subtly, am I going through the acts of a faithful person, but deep in my heart, I don't really know Jesus, or I'm not really sold out to him? Do I just use him to bless me? and not to help others like the widows of the world? Am I faithful to the institution of religion or maybe even church, but I don't have a personal relationship with Christ? Or have I made my faith all about Jesus serving me? I'm not even excited actually at all about telling other people about him or introducing him to them, maybe haven't done it for years. If I'm not watching TV, maybe I would just use that time for me and not for God. One of the most challenging verses in the Bible is where Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? or more complete passage on a stronger warning from Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, famous sermon, where he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? cast out demons in your name, and do many deeds of power in your name. Then Jesus says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evil doers. Oh my gosh. Religion is doing acts of good, maybe being legalistic but never really knowing Jesus as friend. These are really tough passages because it's it's like a a punch to our spiritual gut, right? To ask, oh my, what is our heart really like? Are we just going through the motions, attending Bible studies or small groups, or even watching um, or attending worship services, but aren't really seeking God, not really trying to build a relationship With him through Christ? Are we just using God for our self centered desires and give us more peace and joy and strength and healing, but never giving a thought to helping others that others should have more peace and joy and healing and strength? So, hear this if you come today broken or feeling like a really bad sinner, if you come today, feeling you have little or or no faith at all, know that throughout the Bible, Jesus is always supportive of you and loves you very, very much. He never got mad at sinners. He never got mad at sick people. He never got mad at people having a hard time with mental health. He didn't get mad at people with little faith who are trying to grow it. But he did get mad at religious people who thought they were so godly and wanted everyone to know, and they were going through the motions or using the motions to promote themselves and not God or those in need. He got really mad at those who were legalistic about the law. Now, remember, as I said, our church is a hospital for us sinners, not a museum of saints. We're far from perfect. Now, how mad did Jesus get at those Pharisees and Sadducees? Pretty darn mad. So let me read to you what he said to them in the Gospel of Matthew in the 23rd chapter. And you may want to click on your seat belts. Here's what he said. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves don't enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and then you make that convert twice as much a child of hell as you are. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth, you tithe, a tenth of your spices like mint and dill and Cuban, but you have neglected the the more important matters of the law, like justice and mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you teachers of of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Okay, at this point you might be saying, enough woes already. I mean, wow, Jesus, you're really like, really tough on religious people. Yes, because he wants us to be humble enough to know that we aren't really better than others and, and to quit acting religious without a real passionate love for God and his people. We might have been a recipient of grace, but not because we deserved it or were so special, but because God was merciful, because truly we are all just beggars trying to help other beggars find food. And if we found that Jesus Christ is the food that we've always wanted and it gives us strength and hope and healing, then can we let the other beggars know about this? Can we invite them to events that will help them know Jesus, like Clinton and Anita Turpat, do with Alpha Course that is readily available to all? And next January, I hope the whole church gets into it. You know, one of my favorite woes—you know, it's always woe to you. One of my favorite woes that Jesus says is, "Woe to you when you all speak, uh, when all speak well of you." That's Luke 6:26. Woe to you when all speak well of you. And whenever I get a lot of criticism for something I've done wrong, I think, "Well, Lord, that woe doesn't apply to me." Not all are speaking well of me right now. Phew, escaped that one. One less woe to be guilty of. What's so incredible about this passage is right at the end, Jesus gives us all um, hope and a picture of real genuine faith, not the fake religious kind. Remember, he praises a widow, a widow, the one whom the Sadducees were ripping off as the heroine of the story. Jesus and his disciples were in a location where they could see the collection boxes of the temple in Jerusalem. And there were 13 boxes, actually, in the shape of a trumpet, if you can imagine that, with a horn facing up to collect people's coins, kind of like a, a funnel. And each of the boxes was for a different purpose, like for taxes or for bird offerings, um, things like that. And the coins were made of copper. So when you put in your Offering it made a, a sound drawing attention to the gift and the giver. So imagine if you're pouring in like you got your bag and you're pouring in tons of coins, there would be a lot of, you know, ching chang chong and other Chinese family sounding names. If I threw in a wooden nickel, it would go chun dan. I'm cheap. So big givers got a lot of attention, right? Maybe a lot of praise, as one could hear this cacophony of clanging and clinking of cascading coins into the metallic trumpet-shaped boxes. But then a widow comes up to the collection box, and the Greek word in the Bible for these coins is lepta, which means small copper coins, which meant it was the smallest monetary denomination in circulation at that time. Here, here's a picture of, of what they looked like back in the first century. Look, it's in the palm of a hand. You can see fingers are really tiny. And, and here Jesus actually sought or heard not a waterfall of coins, but just the faintest little clink, clink. And somehow when he heard that, he was greatly moved. So much so that the Bible says he called his disciples and said to them, hey, truly I tell you, this poor widow, the widow down there has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her po- poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And this widow like was all in for God. She didn't do it for show. She didn't do it to impress people. She might actually have been humbly embarrassed that her little clink clink was like ashamedly small, but she gave her all. And when Pharisees or Sadducees give, they give it an amount to God that doesn't even hurt them. They might even not even notice the loss in giving it, and maybe that's us. But this widow who has lost so much, her spouse, her living, I assume she is poor, she wanted to glorify God and give to his cause and mission. And that is why, as you've heard me say many times before, that we do not, like other nonprofits or churches, put out a listing of who has given the most. Why? Because God bases generosity on the heart and not on the amount of the gift, not on religious behavior. A person can give $1,000, and in God's eyes, it's like that person gave $50,000 because the $1,000 giver really gave sacrificially to God. And a two-penny giver, like the widow, might be actually giving more than $1 million from a Bill Gates because the widow Sacrificially gave all, Bill Gates doesn't even feel giving away a million dollars since he's a billionaire. And that's why you won't see a listing um, in the church annual report of categories of of how much people have given, honoring those who've given the most as the highest, like those who gave $50,000 are in the beautiful Ilima division, and those who gave $40,000 are in the more, um, are are in the fragrant Pikaki division. And if you only gave 25 bucks, then you're in the puny plumeria level. <laughs> only God knows who's in the real elima level, for he knows our hearts. And we can't fake it with him. You know, and some organizations, that they don't use flowers. They use, like, dinosaur meta- metaphors, you know. Big givers are Tyrannosaurus Rex, you know, next level Stegosaurus. And if you're hard to give anything, you're kind of in the ancient chihuahua level. (laughs) And we don't name names, uh, rooms rather, uh, in our campus after big donors because we don't know who the biggest donors are in God's eyes, right? That's our policy. Now, if you want to give the church uh, $10 million, I'll review that policy. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. But you can try me to see if I'm kidding. (laughs) RTS is not over. (laughs) Two more weeks. Um, And and actually, um, as you know, I don't even know what each of you gives because I just felt philosophically and theologically that's between you and God. Right. And um, unless you tell our bookkeeper to tell me, then I'll know. Um, But she's the only one who knows for tax reporting reasons. And in. um, Two Sundays, I will be preaching, as Kathy mentioned, on our big celebration Sunday, as our two-year raise the sails, generosity journey comes to a close. So if you haven't finished your commitments, you can throw in a couple more coins uh, to complete it, haha. And uh, I I was amazed, I just found out two days ago that about uh, 21% of you actually uh, gave more than what you pledged two years ago. So for everybody, uh, bravo. So it's our hope that these past two years of Raised the Sales has taught us us all how to live generously, not just with money, but more importantly, how to be generous with love and kindness and compassion and grace, our time, our skills, everything that God has entrusted to us, because He's a generous God, and if we live like Him, we should be generous. Now, today is a really tough passage that was assigned to me um, via the lectionary. And as as you know, today's Bible passage is kind of like blood tests we, we take at times. You know, you take a blood test and it informs you how your cholesterol level is, or sugar level, or white blood cell count that um, indicate where we are with our health, right? And and maybe this passage was kind of like that blood test first of all. Where are we in the true reading of our faith? Are we acting religiously or legalistically by just attending religious events or are we being religious to be more political um, and hopefully not more political than biblical? Or are we in our hearts all in for Christ even to the point like in other countries that we would actually be willing to go to prison for our faith? Or are we just dabbling in it? And when, when we come to worship, whether online or in person, Are we really worshiping or are we just going through the motions? God knows, and as many will say to him in the end, Lord, Lord, and he'll know our hearts. But this I do know, that when we do go all in and not kind of in or partially in, um, when we go, go all in for Jesus, it really is worth it. It fills so many of the gaps that have made us feel empty and we live a fulfilled life the more we get into it. So let me close with something hopeful and practical and specifically points us in the right direction. There's a Psalm in the Bible that I uh, use often when I bless people's homes because it gives a real foundation what it means to live for God and have Him central in our lives. And here it is, it's Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, Those who build it labor in vain, unless the Lord guards the city, the guard keeps watch in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. Now, if we leave that passage up a bit, I mean, take a, take a look at that. I mean, this is the essence of what it means to go all out for God. We all need what the Hawaiians call ha-ha, which is humility, that we need God in our lives. We don't have all the answers. And unless the Lord builds your life, all of it, not some, but all, if you, unless the Lord builds um, your life, your labor is in vain. Wow. And you think you can do it on your own smarts or your secular principles or political principles and not have Christ in leading your social business and family life, then the Bible says, you're building, after all those years, a life in vain. And if you think you can protect yourself without keakua, God, in the center of your life, You're not fully protected. Kahaku, the Hawaiian word for the Lord, as we say in Hakuhia, God's desire, delight. Kahaku, the Lord, is the best guardsman. Believe in his healing power and Holy Spirit and angelic protection. And without Christ, the Bible says you will always be rising early and going late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil. Boy, we don't want that. So today in prayer, I'm going to lead us right now. We have a chance to turn our lives around in a prayer of commitment or recommitment. This can be a time of refocusing and recalibrating. And later, after a couple of songs, we're going to have communion as a sacred act of our commitment to Christ. And for some of you, accepting Christ for the first time or a recommitment, this sacrament is going to be so special for you. So right now, let's take this moment, this God-given moment, to consider maybe maybe having the Lord build your life from the foundation up, kind of a remodel or a do-over. So let's pray right now to make it all happen, okay? Please join me in prayer. Holy Spirit, come and fill the rooms of our viewers and this sanctuary right now. And I pray, Lord, that this might be a time that you will lead us in what really needs to be done. For some of us here today, it's really a time of uh, recalibration. So whether it's a first time real serious commitment to follow you, Lord, or maybe it's a recommitment, a refocusing, I'd like to lead us in a prayer. And if this is your prayer, I'll say it slowly, but just kind of repeat after me in your own words in the silence of your heart. To basically start off just saying, Lord, first of all, thank you for all that you've done for, for me. Thank you for always reaching out. And to be humble, I just want to say I'm sorry. Sorry for at times ignoring you. Sorry for being stubborn and hard-headed. Sorry for, at times, purposely wandering off. And I just want to say thank you for forgiving my sins. And so I want to ask you, Lord, to please come into my life. I want to surrender to you. And I want to go deeper into a life that's all about you and not all about me. In the Bible, you said you wanted to be our friend. I want you as friend. And I'll try to be a good friend to you. So I make this commitment, this promise, to follow you. And I ask for your Holy Spirit to help me keep that. And Lord, as a, as a body of people together, those online and here in person, starting with those here online, as we continue our prayers with heads bowed and eyes closed, if anyone made that prayer, either as a first-time commitment or as a recommitment, If you could just raise your hand now, and I, as your friend and pastor, will confirm that before the Lord. If you could just do that right now, that would be fantastic, and the angels would be clapping. Just leave your hand up. Okay, you can put those hands down. Thank you for courageously making that choice. And feel, friend, feel free to tell a friend or a pastor that you made that. It's so important. And for those of you online, there's a button that you can hit that says, I commit my life to Christ, and a button about prayer and Please hit that commitment button just so that we know that you before the Lord made that decision. Just before uh, we all depart, I want to say those of you who are here in person, our prayer team would love to pray with you and right through the glass door out there, whatever your concern might be, physical, spiritual, emotional, the team would love to pray with you in a very compassionate and confidential way and those of you online if you want prayer just hit that prayer button and somebody from the prayer team will immediately get in touch with you and just pray with you online but for all of you before you leave us online or in person I have a blessing for you so please stand for the blessing and please receive this may the Lord bless you and keep you may his face shine upon you and its countenance be upon you And may you know, deep in your heart, the wonderful love of God the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, everybody here and online, great to have you with us, great to worship together. I just wanna say goodbye, see you next week. Ahui ho, God bless you all, aloha.
0: Every now and then, it's good to have a checkup to make sure we live our lives for God and others. The world does not revolve around us. It's all about Jesus. If you want to catch up on or re-listen to previous services, you can find past sermons on our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Press sermons on most major podcast services and now on YouTube. In-person worship continues. There are two live services at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. If you'd like to participate, we ask that you sign up through the website on a weekly basis. Both services will be streamed live on the church websites. Once again, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Sign up for First Prez emails where you can get links to sermons, church news and updates, registration for in-person worship, daily devotionals, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Prez can do for you, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808 532 one 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 one. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is Copyright 2021 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.